Well, good morning. Uh, good to be with you this morning. Uh, turn your Bibles uh, to the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 15, verse 33, as we're continuing on in our Lent series uh, today, uh, called Ready for Resurrection. Uh, last Wednesday uh, was the Easter to prepare ourselves both spiritually, uh, mentally, physically, in all ways uh, for Resurrection Sunday, for Easter, uh, for what God is uh, speaking into uh, our lives, and get ready for that. Uh, and last week we talked about uh, what biblical wisdom is, what godly wisdom is, and today we're going to talk about humility, what it means uh, to be humble, uh, what it means to, and the connection between humility and the cross and, and Jesus. Uh, so we are in the second part of our Lent series uh, here, and just a little asterisk, like pride and humility is a really tough topic uh, to talk about. Uh, it's something that maybe, like me, you've wrestled with um, for much of your life, where you have those thoughts and those, uh, those, those moments where you wrestle, like, hey, it's not about me, uh, but you want the attention, or you wrestle with uh, things in your heart where you know you shouldn't be feeling and thinking and saying these things, but, 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 but you are. Uh, but humility and pride is a really serious topic uh, in Scripture. Proverbs 16.5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Uh, be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Like, that's not a, uh, a gentle <laughs> warning. That's a pretty serious uh, a warning. And I want to say, like, you know what, today I, we're a family, we're a church, we're a community, and I'm honest with you that this is something I wrestle with. Uh, so it's something that you wrestle with. I hope that God will speak to you today uh, through this topic, uh, especially as we prepare ourselves for a resurrection uh, a Sunday. And I've caught myself in the past uh, saying a comment like this, a sentence like this, and maybe you have too, where it's like, I don't want to sound prideful, but, you know, and dot, 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 say whatever it is. Uh, that uh, you want to fill that sentence out with. And I've said that with Jess before, and I say that, uh, that the fact that you say, I don't want to sound prideful, means that you are being prideful uh, in that moment. Uh, and I'm thankful for my wife that uh, she uh, calls me out uh, in moments like that. But it, it's things like that where our actions, and maybe things that, um, actions and words that you say that you're not deliberate about, you're not thinking about, actually reveal something a little bit deeper inside uh, of our hearts. And I just want to say that today, like, we have to be honest with ourselves and before God. It's not towards anyone else here. It's that for you and God and whether you will consider yourself to be prideful. And I'm not going to have you put up your hands like, yeah, I'm prideful. Uh, but this is something that you need to uh, come before God with and bring that before Jesus and allow him to work in your heart because pride and humility really is a heart issue. It's not about anything else, as we'll see from today. And we'll learn that God is speaking something really uh, true and genuine and it's a very gentle word as well to our hearts. And uh, just with uh, Jocelyn announcing about the coronavirus, I'm just thinking about it. It's really a big news in the world right now, both locally and internationally. It's taking the world by storm. And I guess we ought to be. Some of the world's pandemics, uh, if it ever reaches that level, have been because of the influenza uh, virus. So we should be wise uh, in it. But I was just thinking, I was having coffee with a friend of mine this weekend. We were just thinking, man, what if the gospel spread as fast, right? Uh, what if the gospel spread as fast to countries? And what if our fear of this virus, um, what if the, our fear of the Lord was just as equal to the fear of this virus that we have? Uh, what would that look like? What if the gospel and the way that we're willing to tell people about Jesus is just as, a will, just as big and vibrant in our lives as the way that we tell people about this virus uh, what would that look like? And that was a challenge for me this week, and maybe that's a challenge for you to think about. I saw pictures of people at Costco you know, climbing over each other, getting rice. Uh, 
and, you know, preparing their home and doing their best to protect their family. But I'm thinking, what if that was our attitude with the gospel and with the Bible that we would prepare? little note that has nothing to do with the sermon today. Uh, but I just thought I'd share that with you uh, as I feel like God's uh, speaking to us, uh, speaking to me uh, through this virus uh, uh, recently. But you have your Bibles again. Uh, we are in Proverbs. It's a very short passage today. Uh, you're going to like, how are you going to fill up the time? Well, I will. <laughs> with, uh, with Proverbs, uh, uh, it's not Proverbs 3, it's Proverbs 15, verse uh, 33. Uh, and the passage is this, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. A very short passage, but we're going to unpack that and see what that means. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your good word and just for this community here. And God, I pray for your continual uh, blessing upon us, that we would see you and hear you and we'll see you act in our lives. And during this Lent season, whatever it is that we're Lenting, whatever it is we're fasting from, Father, I pray that we would draw close to you as a church, as a community, as a body of believers, God, closer to the cross uh, as, uh, as, as we give up and sacrifice a little part of ourselves uh, for you. Uh, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you that you speak to us through your word. And may you use me uh, to further your kingdom and to uh, glorify you. And may you give us a personal and deep word this morning about humility. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The big idea this morning is simply this, that humility enables us to experience the heart of God. Uh, that humility isn't just an action, it's really a, a, a reaction. It's a, it's a reaction and a response to God's heart. That's not something that we just do. We think about, right, like, I've got to be more humble, I've got to be more humble, and I, could, I should do humble things. It's not only that. Humility enables us to experience the heart of God. That humility is a part of who God is in the way that he's lived out uh, and the way that he's demonstrated uh, the gospel uh, to us. So humility moves your experience. You want to encounter Jesus. You want to hear from him. You want to experience uh, uh, his presence uh, through prayer, through worship, through his word. Uh, and, and I think humility is a huge key to that component. But this morning, I want to urge you that Maybe for some of us that are wrestling with pride, that maybe pride's what's stopping us from experiencing the heart of God, that humiliation to us, that wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord. And I went, uh, I talked about that a little bit last week. Well, what does this fear exactly, exactly mean? Uh, well, this fear is a, a holy fear, that this is a holy kind of fear we have, uh, we have uh, for God. And it's a holy fear that comes from not just, like, you know, daily life or the mundane things, but it's a holy fear that comes from encountering a holy God, a God that's set apart. It's a holy fear that comes from uh, a God uh, that is living, that's alive, that's powerful, that's awesome. And this is the fear that we have, and that's wisdom's instruction for us, that when we encounter this God, our natural response, the right response, should be a holy kind of fear. Not a, I'm so scared of you, God, kind of fear, but a reverence, a, a deep respect uh, for God. And I follow this Instagram um, handle called Discover Earth. Anyone, you know, seen it on Instagram? And I love uh, watching and, and seeing the videos on it because it helps me to, as the handle says, discover Earth. A lot of different places on Earth that I marvel at, marvel at that I'll probably never have a chance to visit. But I see it through, through, through these pictures that... Uh, that you stare, as, as the person staring off into the Grand Canyon or looking out into the universe through a telescope, or you're swimming in an ocean with turtles, one day maybe I uh, might get to do something like that. Or you see the power of a volcano, 
uh, or waves or a tornado, uh, you see these pictures, and, and no one can ever say, say, look at that and be like, uh, you know, that's, that's okay. Uh, if you're standing in the, in the midst of a tornado, in the midst of a volcano exploding, or you're standing at the edge of a cliff, uh, and you're looking at the vast expanse of the earth, no one ever reacts as, meh. Uh, and I think in the same way for us, here's wisdom's instructions, that if you truly understand how holy, how awesome, how uh, good and great and, and powerful God is, we will never come to him in a way that's nonchalant, in a way with like our hands in our pockets or a way that, that's disrespectful to God. No, we, we come to him with this holy fear, uh, acknowledging and recognizing him for for who he is. And I find this fascinating, and this is very important to humility, that in the early church, uh, they, they weren't called Christians yet. Some of them were, uh, that, that term was, was being born. But a lot of the Christians, the people that, are, that were going to church and following Jesus and believing in this life, death, and resurrection, uh, they weren't called Christians yet, but they were actually called what? They were called God-fearers. That was, that was their, their, the way of being recognized. In the early church, if you're a Christian, you were a God-fearer. You had this holy kind of fear. And we read this in, in Acts 2 and talking about Cornelius and his family. He and all his family were devout and what? They were God-fearing. Philippians 3.12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That as Christians, that we're marked by this holy fear of God this deep reverence and deep, deep respect. Like, if people look to the church, like, they might not understand what we believe and what we do here, but they are to understand that we respect and fear and have this holy outlook on this God that uh, we, we, we follow. And this reminds us, like, you might be thinking, well, God, we're in a new, Doug, we're in a New Testament. Like, isn't God, you know, all loving and he's patient and he's kind, he's gracious uh, through the person of Jesus? And that's definitely true, uh, but yet we're still to have this holy fear of God because though he is loving and patient, his awesomeness hasn't changed. He's still the God that spoke and the galaxies came to being, the one that controls all things and knows all things, uh, that is in all things. So this morning, as I, I go into this topic of humility, we need to understand that true wisdom, if you have it, is a wisdom that leads us to this fear of God, this holy fear of God. True wisdom is a wisdom that enables us to realize our place in the universe. A rightful begins, humility begins with a holy fear of God. This humility that we have begins with a holy fear of God. Humility is formed by gaining this deeper uh, perspective of life, a deeper perspective of this Jesus that we follow, the Holy Spirit that's in you, this holy uh, understanding that you are the temple of, uh, of God. And I love this quote by something that is above you. And I love this quote because prideful people, if we're wrestling with pride, we're looking down on something. Now, that's too far below me. But someone of humility, we focus our eyes upward and we see what God is doing. I often think of it in this way, the ant, as strong as the mighty ant might be in this way, it would be foolish of the ant to look up to the human being and be like, huh, I'm bigger than you. You know, you're nothing to me. We're in human beings. We have the power, as uh, my son dis displays often uh, on the playground uh, over the ant. You know, we have the power over the ant. That with one sweep of the hand, the ant is gone. Uh, but it would be foolish of us to say the same way, that if we ever 
go to God, if we truly understand, if you ever truly look into the cosmos and understand who this God is and all his awesomeness and all his power, it would be foolish of us to look up to this God and be like, huh, I have this power over you. You know, you're nothing. But God with his mighty hand in one foul sweep could also do the same thing for us. So humility begins with this holy fear of God, that we're to look up at God and understand that he is God and God alone, that no one and nothing else in the universe ever can compare to him. So therefore, this morning, we, in this passage, we see that, like, that fear, and hum, uh, fear of the Lord and humility, they come together hand in hand. You can't be humble without having a fear of the Lord. You can't have this, uh, this humility without being grounded in this fear as well, without being grounded in our way of understanding uh, who this God is. Why? Well, uh, we often think of humility as, as what? As, as simply as what we do. Uh, humility is grounded in something that we do. Uh, what do we do as people? You know, there's one last dim sum on the table. Uh, <laughs> you know exactly who I'm talking about. There's one last dim sum on the lunch at the dim sum table, and what do you do? Well, the humble thing to do is not to take it, right? Uh, nah, you know, I don't want it, even though I want that haga really badly, you know, that shrimp dumpling. I've really wanted badly. No, 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 that's not the humble thing uh, for me to do. Uh, someone offers to pay for dinner, but what do you do? No, you got to put up a fight, right? Uh, a little bit like, you know, you know, you got to put up a fight even though, you know, the person already said I'm going to do it. But, you know, that's the humility, the humble thing to do at that moment is for me to put up a fight and to say that, no, no, at least I'm going to pay for it. Uh, and also, maybe another thing, humility looks like not crazy. Oh, no, no, you know, that's not something uh, I should get praised for. Uh, or maybe humility looks at another way, too, that, you know, we don't want, we don't, we don't want to bother someone. Uh, that I don't want to ask them to pray for me. I don't want to share with them my, what I'm going, that's going through in my life because I don't want to bother them. You know, in, in, in our language, if you speak Cantonese, it's something called ha-hei. Uh, and I think we often wrap that up with that understanding that if that's me being humble, that's a humility in that. I don't want to be arrogant because if I took that last dim sum, I'm arrogant. You know, who does that? Who takes the last, you know, shrimp dumpling? Uh, no offense if you do it. I, I understand. I would have done it too. Uh, but, you know, we don't want to think like, we don't want to be arrogant. We don't want to seem um, prideful. But is that what humility is about? Not taking the last dim sum, you know, or, 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 wrestling, for, or, or wrestling for the bill. Is that what humility uh, looks like? And I, I want to suggest to us this morning that uh, we're not to see humility as tied to exactly what we do, but really how we view God. All right? Like, it's not exactly what we do because how we view God does dictate what we do and what, how we live out, but humility isn't simply what we do. Well, what is humility? And I really would like to define it in this way, that humility is, is, a, is a heart issue. It's about seeing God's heart. Humility is not an action. It's actually a reaction, a response to God's heart. That's what, well, that's what humility is. It's an outpouring of our understanding and is with uh, the, the lost, that this is the God that we follow, that humility is not an action. It's a reaction and a response to the God that we follow. And humility, if we understand this, if we see this God for who he is, uh, it, it, it moves us closer to the heart of God. Because God is humble. He is close to the brokenhearted. He doesn't flex his muscles and his power all the time, but he gives that all up for the sake of humanity. And as for us, if we're to form this healthy and holy fear of God, we need to understand this, that 
it's not just about doing, it's about our hearts. It's about a reaction, a response, and our, our hearts responding to the humility of God. Because I've said this already, that you can't look upon God and remain prideful. You can't look at him and say, you know, look at my accolades, God. Well, God's like, I have it all. I've done it all. I am in all. I made it all. Uh, no one can truly look and gaze upon God and have a sense of entitlement even. That I deserve all of this, God. Don't you see what I have done? And God will look back at us and be like, do you know what I have done? Do you know who I am? And you think that you're entitled to whatever it is that you think you're entitled to. And no one can truly look upon God and understand him and say that he owes us anything. Because God doesn't owe us anything. He's Alpha and Omega as we were singing. He's the beginning and the end. He's been there before we were and he'll be there after we are here. That God is in all things. And there's another quote that helps us to understand this by David Wilkerson. It's this, a humble person is not one who thinks little of himself, hangs his head and says, I'm nothing. Rather, he is one who depends wholly on the Lord for everything in every circumstance. That is a response of the heart. It's an understanding of this, that we are to depend on God for everything. That to, the humble person depends on God for everything understands that God is the provider for his and her life, that God is the provider that fills their lives with anything that is, that is good. And that is our understanding of humility, humility that it's a response uh, and a reaction to wisdom. Uh, that, that is the beginning of understanding. That's the beginning of our rightful place. That wisdom's instructions to fear the Lord. And if you have this holy fear of God, this high a view of God, this high view of Scripture, you will live, a, live in the same way of who this fear of the Lord with humility and humility comes before honor. That if you have this healthy view of God, this rightful view of God, it leads to this humility. And this humility, you'll seek it, you'll live it out more than you are seeking out honor. Because the writer of this proverb understands this, that we desire honor above all things. That we want honor first, right? We want recognition. We want to be honored before we do anything else. But here it flips it around and says, well, how much do you actually honor God? Uh, do you honor God or do you seek honor first? Do we desire our own self-honor or do we desire God's honor more? Do we want to pursue him and, and understand him? And uh, I was asking someone uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, whether this certain Christian leader was going to this conference. And, and the response was very fascinating. This is all secondhand. But it was like, oh, oh is so-and-so going to this uh, conference? And they're like, oh, no. I, I asked that person whether they go to this conference, not to speak, not to lead, not anything else, just to attend, because they have some role in it before. It's like, oh, uh, would they come to this conference? And the response by that Christian leader is like, I won't attend unless they invite me to attend. Now, this wasn't to speak. This wasn't in any serving capacity. It was just to attend the conference. And I was thinking, well, maybe there's something more to it. I'm not to judge. But that comment sure seems a little bit prideful to me that, you know, my presence, I will only grace you. Can you imagine that? You know, I only grace you with my presence if you send me an invitation. Before humility, what would that look like if we lived out humility first? And then we receive Honor, because that is the way of the gospel. That is the way of Jesus. That is the way that God, uh, God's economy works, that we are humble first before we receive uh, honor. But in our world, we, we, we do uh, desire honor. And we, 
when we desire honor, we, we do what we can move up uh, the mountaintop. Uh, we need to climb the corporate ladder, the social ladder, whatever ladder it is. And if you put in the right time and enough effort, you get the honor and the recognition that you deserve. And when you climb the mountain and, and it disappoints you, well, we're crushed uh, and, we're, and we're devastated. But think about it this way. What if through this proverb and through what Jesus is saying this morning, we are to think to receive honor isn't to go up, but in order to receive honor is actually to go down, to dig deep, to descend, and to lower ourselves, just like how Jesus does. Some Bible passages, Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you, isn't this true, will be your servant. That's what Jesus says. Or the Gospel of Luke, if you have an opportunity to read through it, it's a great uh, uh, gospel that talks about the up, upside-down kingdom. In Luke 9, 48, then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sends me, for it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. Or Luke 14, 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who are humble, who humble themselves will be exalted. That this is the way of the cross, that this is the way of God's kingdom, that if you want to be honored, if you want to be exalted, and if you want to receive uh, the recognition uh, that God that only comes from God, it is through the way of humility. It is through the pathway of, of humbleness. Now, what if to truly understand Honor is not to climb high, but to walk low, as these passages are suggesting to us, is what this proverb is saying. What if meeting God doesn't mean going up, but descending down? What would, that, what would that mean for you? What would that mean for us? What if life is a series of moments that bring us closer to God? It's not through mountaintop moments, but it's through moments where we're humbled through our knees in prayer, through moments where we have to depend on God through faith, moments where we can't depend on our own strength. Like Those are the moments where we draw so close to God that it's undeniably him that is speaking. Because how many times do we read in Scripture, and I haven't counted, and that would be a great uh, exercise, uh, how many times do you read of Jesus hanging out with outcasts, right? Not in places of high position, but him lowering himself uh, to, to people that are uh, uh, jousted out from society, tax collectors, widows, prostitutes, Samaritans, people of social outcasts, like the poor, hungry, those who are suffering. Jesus keeps finding himself in these positions of humility, places of lowliness, people uh, that were outcasted or far too below society. And that makes me think about us, like for me today, what would that look like for me to live a life of humility? Like, what do I think is too far below me? Like people or, or tasks are too far below me that I would never associate myself with. What do you think is not worth your time? What interactions or conversations, what tasks? And those are the questions I feel like that, that the scriptures are screaming back out at me this morning as I read it. Maybe it's in those moments that God is drawing us towards not just the task of humility, but actually drawing us towards him, that in those moments we will find Jesus. In those moments we will hear Jesus. In those moments we will experience Jesus. Because the truth is this, that humility enables generosity as well. That without that humble heart, we can't be generous. Because if we're prideful, we're just looking towards us. But humility enables generosity. Enables a generosity with our time, with our resources, with our money, with our connections, with your words, whatever it is. That if we're humble 
And we're living a life of humility enables us to live generously with those around us. So it's possible that the deeper root of generosity isn't so much of what you do, but on the outside, but actually more so of how our heart is and how we view the people around us and how we view the community cross and resurrection and Easter as we journey towards that together. Well, a lot because this, we can't grasp the weight of the cross without first grasping the shame and devastation of the cross. We can't be ready to live a life of resurrection if we don't experience Jesus' humiliation. That if you don't understand the shame and the devastation of the cross, if you don't understand the humility it takes for the God of the universe, the one that spoke and the stars came into being, to humble himself into being a man and to live a life with the poor, with those that are outcasted, and then die on this cross that's meant for uh, people that have done wrong in society, if we don't understand any of that, the humility that it took for him to do any of that, then we can't appreciate the cross either. That we can't appreciate the, the wonderful cross, the love of the cross for you and for me. In fact, you can't... And I love that. And, and I love how Jesus takes that and not, doesn't shove that down our throats, but uses to draw us deeper close to him. Not to cast more shame upon us, but to show us the true way of life and how much he would really love us. As Tim Keller says, the Christian gospel is that we're so flawed that Jesus needed to die for me. Yet, I was so loved that Jesus was what? Was glad to die for me. That that's the message of the cross, that despite all our messiness, despite all the brokenness that we're going through, and all the sinful ways that we live, that Jesus did die on the cross for you and for me. And we see this in, in the book of Matthew through uh, the temptations of, of Jesus. You have an opportunity, go, go on and read that, where, where Jesus is 40 days in, uh, in, the, in the desert. He's tempted by Satan. And Satan says, what? If you truly are the Son of God, then you would turn these bread to stone. You would throw yourself off of this tall steeple and the angel, angel will, angels will catch you. Or if you bow down to me, I will give you all the kingdoms of this earth. So this prideful way of looking, hey, if you follow me, then, then you will receive all these things. But Jesus says, no, none of it. Because the way of the cross is to live humbly, to depend on the word of God, to depend on what he says, not on my own strength, not on anything the world has to offer, but the way of humility, which is to lower myself and to go onto the cross, to die for humanity. So without humility, you won't truly get to experience the wonderful cross the awesomeness of this cross, because the cross is the ultimate act of humility. Uh, just on Friday, I want to thank the kids' ministry uh, for putting on an awesome uh, movie night. A ton of kids running around watching uh, Paddington Bear. Uh, Cohen's been talking about it. And afterwards, I, I came out to pick up our, our kid, and I could see the chaos that was on the floor, all the popcorns, so the, the kids' leaders you know, sweeping up. And also the kids are running rampant, going around like, you know, it takes a special gift to be in kids' ministry, let's just say that. Uh, and, I, and I'm thankful uh, for those that are serving. But let's just say Cohen maybe ate a little bit too much, he ran a little bit too hard. Uh, and he came up to me and he looked at me and says, Daddy, I need to throw up. Uh, and I, by the look he gave me, I knew he wasn't lying. Uh, so I ran with him towards the washroom. And just as we make it into the men's washroom, he's like, Ugh! All over the floor, I'll spare you the details of what I saw. And then he was like, 
looked at me again in horror. There's more. That's what he says. And I grab him <laughs> towards the toilet. Ugh! All over, miss of course, none of it goes into the toilet itself. And all over, all over. The anyway, I won't tell you which toilet it is even, in case you're wondering. But afterwards, in my uh, anger, uh, in my frustration, I was down on my knees uh, cleaning it up, and my son was standing in the corner, obviously shaken up. And I was, and I was sharing with this uh, with Jess, and I wasn't humble enough to have this decision. But afterwards, Jess, uh, as I was sharing this horrific experience with her, she, she had said this to me. She's like, oh, isn't that the way of Jesus? Uh, and, then, uh, and then she walks off again, as she often does. <laughs> she says something so, so wise to me. This is cleaning up our puke every single day. But he's the one on his knees, on his hands, cleaning up without complaint, cleaning up our mess, cleaning up our vomit every single day, our sins and our brokenness, whatever it is that we're throwing out of our lives, and that Jesus is willingly taking on that stance to clean it up for me and for you. And isn't that what Jesus does every single day? That he doesn't heap more shame and more words of abuse upon us, but his yoke is gentle and his ways are easy for us. They come and he willingly does this for us. He cleans up our puke and our brokenness and our messiness and picks us back up and dusts us off and say, you are my son and you are my daughter and you are loved. And even though you can keep this doing time and time and time again, I'm going to keep being there for you every single moment of the way. And that's why we read in Philippians 2, 9 to 11, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. That is true honor as he went down and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every name should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to God, to the glory of God the Father. That Jesus in his humility, as he descended into the most humble act of the cross, he rose up victorious, now seated at the right hand. And now there's a call for us this morning. Now, one application point as my time comes to an end, as we think about the humility of Jesus on the cross. So what does that mean for you this week? It might be through an act of generosity. It might be through a way of, of acknowledging the people around you. But maybe it might start with this. Stop talking about yourself and start listening. Listen, listen well uh, to the people around you, what they have to say. Maybe it's to put yourself in uncomfortable positions, places that you won't find yourself in normally, and that's what humility leads you towards. Maybe it's a simple, maybe you have a temptation of this, that whenever someone shares a joy with you, that you want to one-up them. You're like, oh yeah, you did this this week, I did this this week. Uh, you live here, I did that, you know, whatever it is. No, this week, just actually celebrate the other person. Maybe that's your act of humility this week. How can you put other people first? In those opportunities you're looking for, how can I put them first? This, this brother of mine, this sister of mine, how can I raise them up and think about them first? Or maybe this week, as the first time in a very long time you haven't done this, is, is this. Admit that you need Jesus. That's the first thing you say every single day when you wake up. Jesus, I need you today. That's your act of humility. I don't want to live outside your will. I work with my friends when I'm eating lunch, when I'm eating dinner with my kids. Admit that you need Jesus, and that's your first act of humility and humbleness. And maybe you would experience a bit of Jesus this week and the glory that he gives us, not in an earthly kind of way, but an acknowledgement that comes from the throne of grace, a word of encouragement, an encounter, an experience with Jesus like no other that nothing else in this world can ever offer. 
And that's your challenge this week as we get ready for humility, as we get ready for resurrection. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word, for the book of Proverbs that reminds us again that the way of the cross is humility, that the way of the cross and to your throne is through serving through the lowly places. God, you remind us this morning that to see you, we don't find you in the high places, Father, but we find you in the lowly places, the places where people are rejected, where there's pain and suffering, God. As we go into those places willingly this week, may we seek you and may we encounter and experience you. And may we do, Father, may you change our hearts in doing so. May we be humble people, a humble people that attracts people not to us, but reflects the cross, reflects your goodness and your greatness. Amen.